As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that unmasks history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're kicking off a week of spooky shows by exploring the origin of Michael Myers, the silent, looming presence of the Halloween film series, and not the guy from Shrek. The day was October 25th, 1978. John Carpenter's seminal slasher film Halloween premieres at the AMC Empire Theater in Kansas City, Missouri. The story of the film follows a masked murderer who escapes from a mental hospital and returns to his hometown to resume his killing spree. The film's violence is tame when compared to horror movies of today, but its popularity launched the so-called golden age of slasher films, with over 100 movies in the genre released in the six years following Halloween's debut. Many aspects of Halloween have since become iconic, including the haunting theme music and, of course, the creepy mask worn by the movie's killer, Michael Myers. Halloween was also the major film debut of Jamie Lee Curtis, who has since gone on to reprise her role as Laurie Strode in a number of Halloween sequels. Curtis is now considered one of the best screen queens in movie history, with her character serving as an early example of the final girl trope in horror movies, which sees the heroine as the last person standing to confront the killer. It's hard to imagine now, 
but Curtis wasn't John Carpenter's first choice for the role. Originally, the director didn't want to cast an unknown actor for the lead part, but he was eventually convinced by his co-writer and producer, Deborah Hill. She pointed out that Curtis was the daughter of horror movie royalty, Janet Lee, who played Marion Crane in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. According to Hill, quote, I knew casting Jamie Lee would be great publicity for the film because her mother was in Psycho. It may be a clear case of nepotism, but it's hard to argue with the results. John Carpenter also had a different idea in mind for the movie's title. He originally wanted to call it The Babysitter Murders, but producer Erwin Yablins suggested tying the film to a special holiday to make it more marketable. Halloween was the obvious choice for a horror movie, so the title was changed to that. Although, I think Arbor Day could have worked just as well, as Michael Myers does a fair bit of stalking from behind trees and bushes. Carpenter and Hill wrote the script together in just 10 days, although Hill says it was closer to three weeks. Either way, it was a quick turnaround for what became such a classic film. Much of the writing was split along gender lines, with Carpenter working on scenes that centered on Michael Myers or his psychiatrist, Dr. Loomis, and Hill writing the scenes with Laurie and her friends. Hill has worked as a babysitter herself, so a lot of the babysitting dialogue is based on her own experiences. The film's score was contributed by John Carpenter himself, as was the norm for many of his films. He came up with the famous Halloween theme by using a simple drumming exercise he had learned as a child as a starting point. The film is mostly set in Haddonfield, Illinois, the quiet town where six-year-old Michael Myers begins his murderous rampage. After a time jump, we see Myers escape from a hospital in Smith's Grove, Illinois. Both towns are fictional, but they are based on real places. Smith's Grove, Kentucky isn't far from Bowling Green, Kentucky, where John Carpenter grew up, and Haddonfield, Illinois is named after Deborah Hill's hometown of Haddonfield, New Jersey. All that said, the movie wasn't shot in any of those states. Instead, it was shot on location in California, mostly in South Pasadena, Alhambra, and Sierra Madre. In fact, if you look closely, you can spot palm trees in the background of some scenes, a sure sign that you're not in the Midwest. Filming began in the spring of 1978 and lasted just 20 days. So the movie is set in Illinois in the fall, but was shot in California in the spring. That discrepancy posed some challenges for the production. In order to simulate the look and feel of autumn in the Midwest, the crew painted thousands of dried leaves and scattered them on the ground before picking them all up again to be reused in other scenes. The effect is somewhat undermined by the leaves on the trees, which are fully green and don't match the autumnal leaves beneath them. A more successful money-saving measure was the creation of Michael Myers' distinctive mask, in the script, the mask is simply described as having, quote, the pale, neutral features of a man. The film's production designer, Tommy Lee Wallace, narrowed down the design to two options, 
both of which were latex masks painted white and bought for less than $2 each at a local toy store. The unused mask was a clown character called Weary Willie, and the winning option was a Captain Kirk mask from Star Trek, which means that the eerie blank face of Michael Myers is really that of William Shatner, albeit whitewashed and all stretched out. Halloween premiered in the rather random location of Kansas City, Missouri, before being picked up for nationwide distribution in 198 theaters. Two weeks after its debut, Halloween had expanded and grossed $1.2 million, quadrupling its tiny budget of $300,000. By the end of its theatrical run in the U.S., the movie had grossed $47 million, or roughly $190 million today. This made it one of the highest-grossing independent films of all time, and an inspiration to the many copycat slasher films that hoped to replicate that success. The positive response also ensured that Halloween wouldn't remain a standalone film. The original idea was to create an anthology series, with each entry telling a completely different story set on and around Halloween. However, Michael Myers was such a compelling character that the filmmakers bowed to public pressure and made a sequel that continued his story. The third film in the series, Halloween, Season of the Witch, returned to the anthology concept with a story that had nothing to do with Michael Myers. But it was too late. The franchise had become synonymous with the character, and each of the many Halloween films since then have been squarely centered on Myers. That's a bit of a shame if you ask me, as there's only so much you can do with his character. But at least we have Season of the Witch, a bizarre and often hilarious film that's definitely worth a watch if you've never seen it. But whether you wish the Halloween series was an anthology or not, there's no denying that the original is an expert lesson in how to build tension and elicit chills using just a few piano notes and an unnerving mask. As John Carpenter said, there's a very specific secret to what makes a good horror movie. It should be scary. Simple as that. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. And if you're interested in funding my Arbor Day horror movie, you can send your proposal to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another spooky day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.